for our scripture reading this morning. We're returning to the Old Testament. We're turning to the book of Joshua. We're going to read from Joshua chapter 2, which can be found in your pew Bibles on page 332. Uh, Joshua chapter 2, the the very familiar story to most of us of, of Rahab and the two spies in the city of Jericho. Joshua chapter 2, hear now the word of the Lord. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the, women, but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly you may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now she had said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. The men said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless... When we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you have let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers, and all your family into your house, if anyone goes outside your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell what we are doing, We will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. 
Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, the book of Joshua is a high point in the history of Israel and the promised land. In Joshua, we see the fruit of of all that's come before up to this point, because in the first five books, the promised land is, is promised. It's what they're looking forward to. It's what Israel has been looking for since the time of Abraham, but they haven't taken possession of this land. They've been in the wilderness. They've been enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years. But in the book of Joshua, we see that they're finally taking possession of this promised land. This, this is a book of conquest, a book that inspires the national identity of the Israelites, a book where the Lord's promises are fulfilled and where their enemies are driven out before them. And yet, one of the most familiar stories in the book of Joshua, the one before us today in, in Joshua chapter 2, focuses attention not so much on, on Israel, but on a Canaanite woman, on Rahab. It tells the story of the two spies, but we never even learn the names of the two spies. But we hear about Rahab here, and then again in the New Testament in, in three separate places. It's not just a, a story of Israel spying out the land. It's, it's not just an exciting spy story filled with uh, daring escapes and the deeds of these spies, but rather in Joshua 2, in the person of Rahab, we see that God is doing much more in this text. The Lord is bringing salvation to this Canaanite woman and her household. The book of Joshua is going to go on to show the conquest of the land. In Joshua chapter 6, we're going to read about the, the capture of this city, the city of Jericho. It's, uh, the walls fall down by the might of the Lord. But first, in chapter 2 here, we see that the first showing of this conquest begins in the home of a Gentile sinner. It begins in the heart of Rahab, the Canaanite prostitute. And so we see as our theme this morning that conquest of the promised land begins in Rahab's heart. Conquest of the promised land begins in Rahab's heart. And we'll, we'll see three points as we consider this this morning. First, that it's an unlikely conquest. Second, we see a heartfelt confession. And third, we see a promised deliverance. So as we, we see this, we see the conquest of the promised land beginning with Rahab. It's a, the story of God's fame, his glory, and his care for his covenant people are impressed upon her heart. And first of all, as we look at this, we see that this is an unlikely conquest. Even in the, the very first verse of our text, there's, there's so much that could go wrong, so many records of Israel's failing that we wonder, 
if this time will be any different. Because if you remember, brothers and sisters, this, this is the second time that spies have been sent into the land of Canaan. This, this is the second time that men have been sent in to scout out the land. In the, the time before, 40 years earlier, in Numbers 13, 12 spies are sent into the land. 12 spies. Joshua, the son of Nun, is one of them. And when these, these spies come back out of, the, out of the land, after scouting out the land, they say, yes, this land is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a wonderful land, a great place to live. But 10 of the spies said, the people of the land are too strong for us. The people of the land are too mighty for us, and we are grasshoppers in their eyes and in our eyes. We can't do it. We can't do it. There was a, the minority report. There was the two spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, no, with the Lord we can conquer. With the Lord we can enter the land. But Israel followed the ten spies. Israel held back, did not enter. And for that failing, they spent the next 40 years wandering in the wilderness until that generation had perished. And now in Joshua 2, we have two more spies entering the land. So we wonder, is, is history going to repeat itself? The location that the spies were sent from, as, as we see what's happening here, that the location, Shittim, is found earlier in Scripture as well. In Numbers 25, and Shittim was a place of Israel's failings. Shittim was a place where Israel had fallen into sexual immorality with the Moabites, where Israel had turned away from their God and been punished, where 24,000 Israelites died for their immorality, for their sinfulness. So the context, the, the spies sent, the place that they're sent from are are not things that bring up good memories in the time of, of Israel. It's not, not things that give us a lot of encouragement that this is going to be successful. And even as we, as we look at the text, we see that these spies are not very successful initially. In verse, verse 1, they go, they enter this house of Rahab, the Canaanite prostitute, and this, this isn't an unusual place for them to go. The, the text doesn't give us any indication that going there, they went for a sinful purpose, but uh, this would have functioned in the same way as, as an inn, perhaps, a, a place where you could go, a place where you could be secret, because they're spies. They, they need secrecy. But by verse 2, we see that that's not working for them at all. Their, their secrecy has already been, has been blown. They've been given up. The king of Jericho knows that spies are here. The king of Jericho sends men to Rahab's house looking for them. So they're at the mercy of this inhabitant of Jericho, by verse 2. They're at the mercy of Rahab. Rahab, the Canaanite prostitute. The immorality of the Canaanites, the immorality of the land was the reason that they're driven out before Israel and Joshua, and the person hiding the spies, Rahab, she's, she's not an innocent bystander in the immorality of her city. She makes her living through this. The immorality of the Canaanites is why they're doomed to destruction. When Israel entered the land, as the Lord told them in, in Deuteronomy 7, 
Israel was commanded not to make a treaty with Canaan. They weren't to make alliances with them. They weren't to marry with them. They weren't to make any, any agreement with them, but they're to devote them completely to destruction. Deuteronomy 7 is explicit about this. The Canaanites are devoted to destruction. So when Jericho is devoted to destruction, Rahab, the Canaanite prostitute, Rahab, a sinner in a city full of sinners, is doomed to destruction. The sentence of death is hanging over her head. A hopeless case in a hopeless city. And yet, in this unlikely place, in the, the heart of this unlikely person, we see the conquest beginning in her heart. From Israel's perspective, this is not where you'd expect to find faith. Because if you're the spies, do you expect to find faith in your enemy? She's, she's not part of Israel. She's the enemy. The enemy doomed to complete destruction. The spies have entered the city looking for weakness, looking for a way that the city might be taken. Yet they find that the Lord is already at work in the city, working powerfully in an unlikely place, changing the heart of this Gentile sinner. And we might wonder, they might wonder, why her? Well, why me? Why you, brothers and sisters? This, this shouldn't surprise us that the Lord works in this most unlikely place because that's how he works today in our own lives. We're not here because we're the most likely of choice. We're not here because we're the most... Um, because we're the most promising individuals, the most talented people, but rather the Lord works through weakness that his strength might abound. He works in these unlikely places that he might be glorified. The Apostle Paul highlights this in his letter to the Corinthians where he says to them in 1 Corinthians 1, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. We're no more likely than Rahab, no more deserving than the Corinthians, but like them we have hope because of the grace of God. God works in the hearts of those who were by nature his enemies, those who were by nature opposed to him, entrenched against him, making alive what was dead, replacing the heart of stone with the heart of flesh by his spirit. So we have hope like Rahab only by looking outside of ourselves to Christ. And yet, how often do we forget that we don't deserve the grace of God more than others. How often to our shame don't we look at those around us and write them off as beyond the grace of God? Rahab, this most unlikely choice, this, she reminds us that, those, that even those who we think are least likely to come to Christ are not outside of his reach. Brothers and sisters, God's, God's work in this story, God's work in this enemy city of Jericho reminds us to bring the gospel to those, to all those that we come in contact with, not just the ones that, that look like us 
act like us and seem most likely to believe because nothing is impossible with God. In this most unlikely place, the home of a Gentile prostitute, he is at work. And as, as Lord works in this unlikely place, we see that the Rahab, rather than obeying her own king, rather than seeking the good of her city, Rahab hides the spies, sending the searchers rushing out of the city. It's, it's treason. Treason against her own king and against her own city. The king of Jericho will kill her without mercy if he finds out what she's done, but she still hides the spies. And in this and in her words to the spies, we see her heartfelt confession of faith. So secondly, as we, as we see the beginning of the conquest of Canaan taking place in Rahab's heart, we see her heartfelt confession. Especially as she speaks with the men in verses 8 through 14, she shows, she shows her belief in the God of Israel. It's a fearful faith. She's terrified, faced with the wrath of God impending. She's She's terrified, but she believes. Her fear shows itself as faith. She believes in the, in the Lord, and she tells the spies that she knows that the Lord has given you the land. Israel, this time, is, is still camped on the other side of the Jordan. The, the strong walls of Jericho are still standing. And Rahab says, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us. That those, those in the land are melting in fear because of what the Lord has done. And she, she highlights two things especially that she knows. Two things. The crossing of the Red Sea and the destruction of Sihon and Og. She hears of these things and she believes. She knows that the Lord is a God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. And remember, she hasn't seen these events. She hasn't seen them with her own eyes. The, the crossing of the Red Sea was likely before she was even born, a generation earlier. She hasn't seen these events, and yet she believes. Those ten spies, a generation earlier, who turned back, those ten spies who would not enter the Promised Land, they saw what the Lord had done. They crossed the Red Sea with their own feet and saw the waters rolled back with their own eyes and did not believe. Yet here we have a Gentile prostitute who's only heard of the deeds of God and we see her confessing that the Lord is God over all. He, the Lord, works in her heart to believe based on what she's heard. We often say that seeing is believing but here we see that, that faith does not require us to see things with our own eyes, but faith requires us to believe based on the, what the Lord has done. To believe even, even without seeing. As, as we, we think of this, we think of doubting Thomas, who would not believe in, in Christ until he saw Christ with his own eyes, the wounds of Christ's crucifixion. He would not believe until he saw this. And the Lord said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. She believes based on what she knows, what she's seen. And what, what did she know? She knew a God powerful enough to take his people across the Red Sea. A God powerful enough to destroy Sihon and Og. 
before his people. A God whose deeds put fear into the hearts of the inhabitants of the land before Israel even crossed the Jordan River. And she believes her heart is conquered by the Lord. What she, what she knows, what she believes is the redemption that was known by Israel up, a, up to this point. The exodus where Israel is taken out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm brought out by the Lord. This, this is the redemption known by Israel. But brothers and sisters, how much more do we know? How much more has been accomplished? How much greater salvation has been revealed in Christ for us to believe? His life, His death, His resurrection, ascension and return, the Spirit given and the Scriptures given to us. These are the things that, that we know, the things that should shape our lives the things that inform our faith. But as, as we see the, the confession of faith made by Rahab, it's, it's not just with her words, though. It's not just a, a faith that causes her to, to say this, but not to do anything, but we see her faith in her actions as well. Her, her belief in the God of Israel caused her to commit treason against her own city, against her own ruler. It caused her to protect the spies, turning her back on her own city, looking for a city with foundations, a city whose builder and maker is the Lord. We see Rahab hide the spies on her roof. We see her let them down out of the locked city through her window. As her, window, as her house is built into the city wall, she lets them down outside the city to escape. She tells them how to avoid pursuit, and in the New Testament, she's commended for her works of faith. We, we see her come up three times in the New Testament, all positive. We see her in Hebrews 11, listed among the heroes of the faith. In Hebrews 11:31, we read, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. The things that she had heard moved in her heart by the Holy Spirit, led her to belief, led her to welcome the spies instead of turning them into her king. A faith that shows itself in her life. A faith commended in James chapter 2.25, James 2.25, where we read, in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? Her faith is an act of faith, a faith that we see her choosing the side of Israel against her own city. And though we hear in the New Testament, especially in Paul, that we're saved by faith alone, many times we're saved by faith alone, but James reminds us, and especially in the verse that we just read, that, that faith, true faith is never alone. It leads, it leads to action. And this is what Rahab is commended for, an act of faith a faith that causes her to take the side of Israel. Not that God owes her now because of what he's done, but what she's done, but yet we see the Lord deliver her and commend her faith in the New Testament. By faith, she believes. By faith, she hides the spies and makes a confession that shows the Lord at work in her heart. Faith leads to obedience choosing the Lord over anything the world and her city could offer. And for this, she's commended. And for this, she's delivered from the coming destruction 
So thirdly, we see the promised deliverance in this passage. Remember what she's delivered from. Remember, back in Deuteronomy 7, Canaan was devoted to destruction. Rahab, her family, her city are under the threat of annihilation, and yet the spies promise to deliver her. They promise to repay her kindness. They tell her to, to mark her house with the scarlet cord, to bring, to bring in her side her house, all of her family, and within the house they will be spared. Just, just as Israel themselves, 40 years earlier in the, in the Passover, was spared from the avenging angel of the Lord, as long as they marked their homes with blood and stayed indoors, Rahab's family is protected and preserved if they stay inside the house as well. The, the scarlet cord has, has no power in itself, but it symbolizes the promises made. It symbolizes the agreement made between the spies and Rahab to protect her and preserve her if she continues in her faithfulness to Israel. If she remains true to her promise, she'll be spared. But what, what of that? Uh, what of Deuteronomy 7? Deuteronomy 7 tells us Israel is not to make treaties, is not to make alliances, is not to, make alli- to marry the Canaanites. So how does that fit in with what we see here? Do the spies, in keeping faith with Rahab, do they break faith with the Lord? No. Rather, as Rahab confesses the Lord, as Rahab takes the name of the Lord upon her lips in faith, in belief, takes the side of Israel, she becomes part of Israel. They, they can make a covenant with her because by belief in the Lord, by profession of faith, she becomes part of the nation of Israel. She becomes one of them. And what, what does this show them about the God that they serve, about the depths of His mercy, the extent of His grace, this Gentile sinner, this one who deserves destruction, is, is welcomed in, enfolded in to the people of God, and not just as a second-class citizen either. If we look ahead to the New Testament, the, the other reference to Rahab is in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, she's, she's listed in the genealogy of King David and of King Jesus. She becomes part of the line of promise, not just part of the people of God, but of the line of promise. The promise of deliverance and protection is, is fulfilled as she's included, embraced, enfolded into the people of Israel. We see a glimpse of the blessing promised to Abraham all the way back in Genesis 12 where God promised to bless the families of the earth through Abraham, through Abraham's seed. Rahab entering into Israel is blessed. And so she finds grace. She finds deliverance in this story. She looks for her faithfulness to be repaid by the spies. She asks that they repay her faithfulness in like kind, but rather than simply receiving this, she receives the faithfulness, the love of God, becoming part of his covenant people. Faced with the impending sentence of death, with, with the doom that was over her entire city, she is spared. 
And there's, there's hope for her because of one who's coming. Because of the coming of Christ so many years later, there's salvation for her here as well. Because Christ would take the destruction that she was spared from. He would be rejected, facing the wrath of God so that his people might be spared, Rahab included, and us as well. Only in the blood of Christ are we protected and preserved. And we need this just as much as Rahab did because we, no less than Rahab, were under the sentence of death. Our sins, too, were enough to condemn us. We ought to have been given over to the the destruction that we deserve, but God offers mercy in His Son. Rather than the judgment our sins deserve, Romans 5 verses 8 through 10 tells us, but God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? While we were enemies. Like like Rahab, we look for this promised deliverance from the destruction that we deserve, and it's found only in Christ. His sacrifice brings life for his people, and his faithfulness means that we need not fear. The spies require continued faithfulness from Rahab, for as the price of her life. Our Savior's perfect faithfulness is the price that our lives require and the guarantee of our deliverance. But there's, there's also a promise of deliverance in this passage for the people of Israel. Because remember, remember the context of this passage. In the beginning of chapter 2, Joshua, the son of Nun, sends the spies into the land. And then at the end... In the last several verses, they return to Joshua. So this, this story, what, what the spies see, what the spies hear, the story of Rahab is meant to encourage the people of Israel themselves. Because is, Israel hears the good news brought by the spies and their own faith is strengthened as they see the deliverance that the Lord is working for them as well. They, they see the grace of God working in the heart of Rahab What an awesome God we serve. And they also see the faithfulness of God to his promises. Because even even in the very language that Rahab uses, the very language that the spies report as they come back to to speak to Joshua, they, they say in verse 24, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hearts, into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. This sounds an awful lot like a song that Moses sang 40 years earlier. As, he, as they celebrated the crossing of the Red Sea, in Exodus 15, Moses sang, The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. And the people of Canaan will melt away. They'll melt away and... Now the spies have come back to Joshua and they say, look, it's happening. God is faithful. The faith of Israel is strengthened. They're encouraged that the Lord is already working on their behalf to deliver them from their enemies as he's promised. And they can have confidence in the Lord 
They want to know if God will keep His promises to them. If God will keep His promise to give them the land. And they see here that He's already doing it. They see here that He's already keeping His word. He's already taken hold of Rahab's heart. The conquest has already begun in her heart, and He's already shaken the hearts of those hostile. The hearts of Canaan are melting in fear. The promises of God are true and certain. God is faithful to His people and to His promises. They, they see the promises beginning to be fulfilled and look forward to entering the promised land. The faithfulness of God to His promises is good news for Israel as they're about to enter the land. And it's good news for us as well because even as we see them about to enter the land all these centuries ago, thousands of years ago, their entrance into the land highlights an even greater future deliverance because Canaan was, was never the end goal. It was a great period in redemptive history as they entered the land, as the Lord was faithful to His promises. The conversion of Rahab, the beginning of the conquest, was good news, a wonderful sign of God's grace, His love, and His faithfulness. But even as Rahab is enfolded into the people of Israel, even as Israel will enter the land in, a several, year, in several days' time, there's more to come, much more, because even the very best that Canaan could offer could only point forward. It could only point ahead to a greater reality. The rest that the people could hope to enjoy, the rest that Rahab could now hope to enjoy as a member of Israel, pointed forward to a greater rest, one only found in Jesus Christ, in Rahab's later much, much greater descendant, Christ. And the faithfulness of God is good news. It is good news for Rahab, it is good news for Israel and Joshua, and it is good news for us today. Rahab wasn't worthy, but the Lord called her and made her his. You and I aren't worthy in our own strength, and yet God sent his own son to die that we might be delivered from our sins. Take hold of Christ. Look to Christ and see in Him one who is always faithful to His promises. We deserve destruction and yet God offers deliverance through Christ. May our hearts be ever open to His call and may His kingdom rule in our hearts as well. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, as, as we see the, the history of your faithfulness to your people, Lord, as we, we see the beginning of the conquest of the promised land, beginning in the heart of Rahab, Lord, we're, we're humbled by our own unworthiness. But Lord, we're so grateful for what you've done, to, done for us. We pray that you would work in each of our hearts, that we would hold to Christ that we would cling to Christ each and every day of our lives, seeing in Him our only hope, our only salvation, our refuge amidst the storms of life. Lord, we thank You that You truly are always faithful to Your promises and that we can look to You for the deliverance that we so desperately need. In Jesus' name, amen.